Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, we are back with another episode of Spin the Rally Pod. Hopefully we can keep you entertained for the next three quarters of an hour or so with some rally chats and plenty of other chat. The world has locked down around us and this little planet's got rather smaller over the last few months, so settle down. We've got Dirtfish expert David Evans, former team boss George Donaldson, voice of rally Colin Clark alongside me, Lisa O'Sullivan, to talk all things you might want to know or wish we hadn't told you about rally-wise. Let's start first of all, though, with this lockdown, because it has got very, very real, George, especially for us here in the UK at the moment. How's it affecting you? How are you doing? Um, I'm starting to get a little bit itchy feet now, to be honest, uh, Lisa. But I've not, I've not resorted to to your limits of actually going and uh, digging compost. That's <laughs> and that's too much detail, honestly. People, that's that's too near toiletries for me. So I've not got that far. Mm. Um, I, I've got lots of stuff in the garage to do, um, bits and pieces. I can I can crack on with, but um, yeah, I'm kind of anxious to get back out. I, you know, I don't generally go to stadia events, which is really what the close down is all about. Stopping that massive amounts of contact i would just be off up the hills with my trials bike or a quad or down a river in a canoe um not really feeling the need to um to socialize to socialize i can avoid the socialization <laughs> but having said that my wife is a nurse wow. you know quick yeah. clap yeah. of the hands absolutely. required not yeah absolutely um, they, they well are. done george's wife so so she is going into work every day um and oh. um so i guess i guess how's she uh, finding it well, um, okay at the moment. I mean, up in Dundee, she, she's she's at the supposed clean end of the hospital, so um, she she won't be. She'd sort of semi volunteered for doing the intensive care because she has experience of that. But she's also very experienced in the area she's in at the moment, which is along in the eye department, and they've basically closed down all the eye wards and they've just kept her department open. Uh, to handle all the eye issues and of course you've got to remember there's still all the ongoing issues that everyone's having you know people are getting injections in their eyes every month in order to keep their sight some people have that they they can do amazing things these days to keep people uh, sighted Uh, so these things are still happening you know some of it is still happening I know there's a lot of horrible treatment stopped but anyway here I'm digressing again guys but anyway the bottom line is my wife's at work every day and uh, we're not quarantining her here when she comes home. So I suppose I'm subject to a little bit of that. Uh, and as you know, nurses don't actually have any great amount of extra protection yet. So, and she obviously has to get up close and personal to people checking in their eyes. Fair, so, fair play to, to, to George's lovely wife. What's her name? Audrey. 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 There you mm-hmm. are. Well done, George. <clears throat> Good to hear oh, you're you? coping. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's it's it. Yeah, 
talking to you guys every week and having a bit of a laugh and being the butt of all your jokes and as I said the whipping boy that's fine and we know that Lisa will keep me there it's wonderful I will absolutely yeah definitely She's giving me a laugh <laughs> Are you not a football fan, George? I never been dislike a football, fan. football quite intensely. Intensely. Uh, yeah, quite <laughs> intensely. Like, remember David Williams? David Williams hated hated football, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, we were kindred spirits in many ways. In many yeah, ways. Yeah, as much David George Williams, we, DKW. we, we should just say, David, hang on yeah. a sec, Cole, just a reference to David Williams there, the greatest journalist mm. that ever walked and, the and rally earth. He had some quite interesting little... Um, uh, little characteristics, didn't he, David? I remember, I remember okay. when you and I, I remember we were in, in Poland that year and we were driving, I think, to Latvia uh, and we were quite oh. late. Remember that morning? And we were, we'd, we'd gone to the first stage to see the cars on the first stage in Poland and then we were bombing along this gravel, rutted gravel road to get to the next stage in time and, and it was rally route and we passed quite a number of rally cars and you, and you said, David Williams would never do that. Never pass a rally car. Wouldn't matter how no, slowly the rally no, car exactly. was going. He would never. No. It was the most heinous no. crime in rally journalism was to pass a rally car on the road. And I thought, sod that. <laughs> we've got we've got a hundred k's to go and ten minutes to do it in. <laughs> he was he, he he was he was just just fabulously idiosyncratic. If that's, that's the right word, but it is. He was he was. It was amazing. And I have to say, George, some driver as well, you know, for a, for a journalist. My God. Yep. I remember coming down a mountain in, in Cyprus with my eyes shut for at least five <laughs> minutes. And we, we arrived at the bottom with the, the hire car with the brakes on fire and just D, D, DKW with the biggest grin on his face. But yes, he was a proper driver, I, wasn't I he, I could for him on, a, on, on the Jim Clark ride. Oh, of course. Yes. So we, in the Metro. In the Metro, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. Let's just be quite clear. No, no, no. I was just going to say we need to be clear here. It was a Rover Metro, <laughs> not, not a six up. Tell us about that, oh, George. That's amazing. Well, that's the one with the story. With the story, George. With the story on that one. A very sad story. A very sad story, actually. Because Tell us it. Well, we won our class. I mean, we had a heck of a rally alternator failures. We managed to keep it going. I, I forgot to take my travel sickness tablets on the first night. My God, I've never moved when I was so ill in my life, but I refused to give up. Um, we let me drive the road sections. So with no alternator, we're on side lights, and I had to drive because I was getting car sick passenging on the road sections. And then on the stages, I would I would go back to navigating, and I could keep it down long enough to, to, uh, to get to the end of the stage. Oh. Reading the pace notes, and just flicking the lights up occasionally. But, but actually, on the pace notes, which we made ourselves, I hasten to add... Um, he could drive. You know, there was enough. There was enough light with, without in, any headlights on the car. Pitch black. Oh. I mean, this is like ten o'clock at eleven o'clock at night. Pitch dark. Jeez. Uh, and driving on the pace notes, and there was enough there to keep it going. We just sort of made, wow. made a deal to stay in the middle I... of the road, basically. And then, and but then George we won our, then we story. won our class. And there's a, a, a gentleman who uh, was a journalist. I don't know what he does now. Name him. Name and shame. Name, Name and shame. shame. Perky. Perky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mr. Perkins, who, fair, fair knock to him. He was the, uh, he was the coordinator for the Skoda One Make series. And the Skoda Trophy. Skoda Neil trophy, Perkins. There you go. And, and they, they'd, been, they'd had half the stuff stripped out the car all the way through the, the event. But in the same class as us, this little standard absolutely bog standard car but we were gubbing them when we were going anyway we won <laughs> handsomely and they, prote they protested us in the end for not having 
a bit a six inch wide bit of carpet behind the driver's oh. seat. Literally, I mean, literally, it wouldn't even have weighed half a kilo, this bit of carpet. We had everything else in the car except that carpet, so we were going to be excluded for that. That was the, that was the penalty. So I'd wow. said to David, and I said, that, that can't be excluded, David. We're going to have to withdraw as long as we don't go to the last control after, after scrutiny and you had to drive back to the park for me. I said, if we don't drive back to the park for me, that's us retired. So, uh, but it's, there's, a, there's a rider to that story as well in that... Uh, DKW, David Williams, yeah. there used to be a whole group of us that hung around as, as journalists and Jerry Williams was the Daily Mail journalist and he was right in there as well and it was such good fun, you know, it, as George would testify, Amazing it was brilliant, great days, guys, yeah. great days until the one Monte Carlo where Jerry arrived and declared to, to the world, to the group that he'd bought a new car. And he bought a Skoda. He bought a Skoda Octavia oh, and was and was there <laughs> there ever after, known as Judas. <laughs> Obviously, yes. oh, now, but, but we have to say we, we have forgiven Skoda because it wasn't really Skoda's fault. And you know, um, I, I've had. Uh, but have we forgiven Perky? Never forget. Well, well, depends on I, which I, theory you follow. I can't, I can't follow ever that. forgive Neil Perkins for that. I can't ever <laughs> forgive well, you, him. You probably named him. He's a nice enough he's a nice enough bloke, but I can't forgive him for that. Lovely fella. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? No. Yeah. Okay. He ro he, you were robbed. We, robbed. You were absolutely it, robbed. It, it's worse than that. I, I have no forgiveness in me for him at all. Actually, I think I have. Sort of no. It, it should also be pointed out that on that rally, uh, David Williams drove in Mark Lovell's yes. radio mm -hmm. paging overalls, quite possibly. Uh, uh, and and here's the best bit. The man was an absolute demon, wasn't he, George? At heel and towing. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah, he was because he always he always did it. What did he wear on his feet, George? I can't remember. Was it not leather? Sort of you can't le remember le his, bro his, his leather brogues. Yeah, leather brogues. <laughs> that brogues. was it. Yeah. <laughs> and and he happily pointed out to the scrutineering that yes, indeed they were fireproof because leather is <laughs> <laughs> entirely fireproof. Twenty years of boot polish hadn't made them inflammable. Honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. Good point. In but fact, what a character! In fact, I, no, he, I have he wasn't. To he wasn't. Judge, I am going to have to interrupt you because oh. we started this around. Lisa. We started with you ten minutes ago talking about yeah. being in isolation. Oh, yeah. So we have kind of slightly sidetracked. If you have got one point to make, I will. I it's just to try and steer us a little bit back on course. But if Lisa, you I have a, sound like I you have had a, something very important to I say, I have a hundred points to make, Lisa, and 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 I I need all the time myself. <laughs> <laughs> you had that on the last one, George. Oh, not on this it. one. Stop it, Colin. So much good More stuff. George, so much good I stuff say. to share if people want to take the time to listen. I think Absolutely. now's the time, isn't it? It is. It is. It, it certainly is. is. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you want to hear my little isolation story, Lise? How are you coping? Well, I, I, I left uh, Mexico and went straight to Scotland because my mum's flat was available. She, she's stuck in France with my brother. My brother's got a place in France and they have absolutely no worries whatsoever about Luros. <laughs> they've got plenty of those. They've got a year's supply of wine. They've got a nice balcony, a nice garden. She's there. Her flat was available. So I thought I'll go to Dundee. And, uh, you know, when I got there, it was right in the middle of this blooming panic buying nonsense that seemed to grip the nation a week or two ago. Uh, went into oh. Tesco's, couldn't find anything. Planned to make a spaghetti bolognese. But what, what's the saying, David? Out of adversity comes inspiration uh, or innovation or something like that? Innovation. 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 Adversity yeah. is the mother of invention. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, so I thought... You, you, I, I, the thing is, I'm a bit lazy, and I'd already... <laughs> 
filled my filled my um my basket with the, the few bits I would need to make a bolognese. Uh, but there was no meat. There was no meat at all. So there was haggis and there was black pudding and there was smoked pancetta. <laughs> so I thought, yes, yes, this could be interesting. So bottle of wine, all of those ingredients, some tinned tomatoes, a little bit of passata, some garlic in there as well. Simmered it all up for an hour and a half, and my good God, it was absolutely delightful. So it was then the question, what do we I have with it? I thought you were going to say disgusting. No, it was delightful. <laughs> it was totally, totally delightful. And the, the problem was what to have with it, because there was no blooming pasta in the shops either. So I've gone with Indo-Scottish fusion, and I served it on a bed of naan bread. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> that, 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 that was the first night. It lasted can, about can seven nights. Thing, I want to say one thing here, overcooked, an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, George, no, 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 George. It's a 15-minute George, cook, overcooked, no, no, no. overcooked. Really, really important overcooked. that you just bubble it, bubble it slow. George, when did you last cook anything in the kitchen? Last night. Oh. Oh, did you? Oh. Anyway. Just, just, no, we do it together. Very good. Oh. Can, I, can I just ask, Georgie, so you're not, on, you're not in Aberdeen at the minute. No. Is that is that out of bounds now? Uh, basically, but we're we're a protected industry, so I can travel if I need to. But but most of my work, I, uh, I'm just um, steering things and, and and offering technical advice and and organising parts and people to go and fix things. So offshore uh, right. fire pump engines, emergency generators, generators. The offshore industry is still producing the the. Uh, the goods that keep uh, the, the or the the product that keeps the world uh, oiled, so to speak, and 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 fueled, oh. um, and uh, as you know, um, I, I'm not one of these global uh, climate conspiracy types. I have a I, I I subscribe to the proper scientific view, not the view of screaming, <laughs> sc- screaming and sadly quite ill <laughs> Swedish children. Oh. Oh. oh, don't hold back, George. I didn't actually call him. No, that was that was me not no, holding I, back. Honestly, I, we're petrol heads here. I think he's, what, he, what what George is referring to there is is Patrick Floden when he was ill a few years no, ago. No, I'm not that's right, specifically not. No, no, I'm happy to happy to have said what I've said. It probably puts me in the crosshairs of somebody. There you go. That's totally, totally going to be edited. It's no, totally you cannot do that, Lisa. Don't you dare. <laughs> I saw on the on the news that is it Antarctica is now the only continent that is coronavirus free. Interesting. Interesting. Would that be right? It might be. It might be. If they because stop I mean, there's going literally in. probably yeah. ten people there. Not a lot of folks there. Yeah. I, don't know if it is. I just had it's, a thought. No, Actually, no, if you're listening not. to this. And uh, you're wondering what Colin should have called his dish. Let us know. At Dirtfish Rally. Colin's dinner. At, at, at Dirtfish at Rally. Dirty, at Dirtfish Rally. At Dirtfish Rally. If you can give us uh, give us a quick list of those ingredients again, Col. Yeah, it was, it was basically haggis, black pudding, smoked pancetta, tinned tomatoes, two, two, uh, two tins of tomatoes, a little bit of uh, passata as well, which is kind of uh, boiled down tomatoes, and some garlic and plenty of wine, a bottle of wine in there as well, red wine. So, I mean, I just called it... How many of you were eating this? Well, well <laughs> me. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it did last for four nights, and then there's three nights worth. I've gone into the freezer as a coming home present for my mother when she gets and back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there was rather a lot of it. There was rather really a lot of it. for it for when she comes back. So, David, I can see that you have still been very busy during the lockdown. All the content you're providing for us on dirtfish.com. Mm, you've been brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I've just got a suggestion there for the for the for the for the dish. Why don't we just call it the dirt <laughs> the dirt dish? Oh, <laughs> sorry, Cole. I um, like it. If I could just say as well, Cole, that I have to say, I've known you a lot of years, and I think that's the kindest thing that I've ever heard that you've done. You've left three suppers for your, for your mother. That's remarkable. Well, Obviously, we're, we're, the car was full, wasn't it? You couldn't fit them in the car. Well, we're told we've got to look after all the oldies these days, haven't we? So it was just just a little nod towards that. <laughs> so. Indeed, indeed. No, for me, it's been, uh, I have to say, I work from home anyway, mostly, so it's been pretty much business as usual. Uh, it's quite strange having the uh, having the children at home, uh, uh, Georgia 13 and Oliver 12, uh, but great. But actually, it's bizarre. It does take away some of the sort of structure of the day that, you know, you get mm. up, do some work, take the children to school, come back work, and then go at sort of half three, four to pick them up and maybe get a coffee in town or something. And suddenly with that structure gone, you know, the the wake up's a little bit later, but I mean, my God, we're working till sort of half nine at night. It just wow. never seems to be ending, and there is there's a lot. I'm losing track of what day of the week yeah. it is as well. No, the work is definitely sort of spilling into the weekend, and mm. I'd like to say it's a sort of seven day weekend at the minute, but it's more like a sort of seven day working week. Um, mm. But th there is there's a lot of stuff going on right now, and you know everybody's got lots of ideas and lots to talk about, and it's great. But I do worry that you know in a, in a month or so we could be. Uh, certainly not at dirtfish.com we will always have lots to talk about but you know there's... so it seems <laughs> yeah <laughs> doing okay. David you, you, you're managing to come uh, come across and find and dig out some fantastic stories I mean some of the stuff you've been writing about this week the um, I, I don't know whether this was deliberate or whether it was just coincidence but the Ford Puma story for the 2022 Ford WRC Challenger breaking on the morning of April Fool's Day a, well, lot, a that, lot of people just assumed it was an April Fool's joke, but it's not, is it? It's No, it's not. And in fairness, we we talked about that on the, the 31st of March, and we sort of talked about doing an April Fool's, and uh, and we just thought, actually, you know, it's it's really not the right time for, in our eyes to be doing that. Um, so that we'd been working on that story for a couple of weeks uh, on the Puma thing. And finally, all of the pieces, the stars sort of aligned on the, the what would have been the 31st. So I just wrote it and then we ran it very early on the 1st. And it, I'd completely forgotten <laughs> until I started to see some of the social media um, about it. But, I had but to no, check I, with you. <laughs> I checked yeah, with you whether it was but a no, proper it is, story. You know, it's 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 a move that, you know, so it sort of polarises opinion. Uh, I think, you know, people have this idea that it's going to be this huge lumbering SUV. Can I just it's not interrupt you? For a second there so if people haven't read the story obviously they can read it now while they're listening to this podcast uh what are the highlights of the story what's gives a pricey why should they be reading the story what's the headlines is it essentially the headline is uh i can't remember m sport tipped for 2022 puma switch in wrc and uh, essentially, the, it's the end of the road for the Fiesta, um, and then we we sort of investigate how that can happen with with this scaling idea uh, that's new in the regulations for 2022, uh, and then we also look at 
you know the sort of the cost and the benefit of that scaling principle and and also look back which has just gone up today to look back at the puma s1600 which was some car i have to say one of yeah it was one of my favorite mm -hmm. um kit cars in in the what would it be the early early noughties early noughties yeah it wasn't very yeah. effective though was it it wasn't it wasn't at all you know when you look at it up against the sort of citroen saxos of, of mm. its time it i don't know why that was either george because i mean it had all the right ingredients didn't it? it it appeared to um maybe it was a bit heavy maybe there was some part of the configuration that just wasn't right and maybe it didn't quite uh, get the investment you know malcolm was still in the build-up year that was a forum <coughs> car though don't car. forget oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. but who? I mean, the Boreham was, you know, what went on in in Ford's motorsport base at Boreham in those times was, you know, yeah, lots of speculation about what was happening around that time. Yeah. Um, but, but no, great car, and yeah, that's that seems to be uh, some some news from today and then from this week, and then also we've seen Hyundai Motorsport is making quite a big effort, which is you know they are to be absolutely applauded for. Mm. Uh, in doing what they're calling today's is what Shakedown Thursday, where they're delivering content mm. to us to kind of process and, and put out. Um, and nice story with Lowe today, what he's doing, trampolining in the back garden. Um, <laughs> I, I, felt, I have to say, I felt a little bit guilty though, because we took hang all of these lovely second. words from. Hang on, stop there. Sebastian Loeb, former gymnast. Yes. Trampolining in the back garden. How big's that trampoline? Is it like a little trampette? Yeah. What? A the one that, or a big one of those kids one that if he puts some moves in, he's going to be hitting the ground or. Pre presumably, he could do it in, on one of those tiny ones, couldn't he? Because he's so precise. <laughs> he can, do, he can yeah. do it on the and flat ground. He can do a somersault standing yeah. with his feet absolutely together. He can sta he can stand there and do a somersault. Yeah. I wonder Shocker. if Daniel Eleanor can do that. No, no, no. Don't you remember? I, I wrote about this in the piece. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he did. We're in 2018, when Lou and him won Spain, Seb did another somersault, which actually, fascinating story here. I remember in 04 when he did it in Corsica, and I, hopefully people will have read the, the piece by the time they're listening to this. In 04, he did it, and then I talked to him about it in the year after in 05, and he actually said, oh, I was a, I kind of wish I hadn't done it because it was, I was a little bit embarrassed by it. And that, at the time, yeah. was Sebastian Loeb. You know, he was such a quiet fella yeah. uh, and entirely unassuming. And then suddenly, everywhere he went, everybody was asking him to do somersaults and what have you. Um, so, yeah, but no, the Spain, when he and, and Eleanor won uh, in 18, Seb did another somersault brilliantly. <laughs> Daniel Eleanor walked down the finish ramp and did a, did a forwards roll. <laughs> <laughs> Very in a way that only only yeah. Daniel Danos Eleanor could do. What a what a genius! <laughs> so yeah, so bu busy time, busy time, great time. What are we talking about today? By well, the way? Can we talk about, about the other big story, well, David, this week before we go into talk about Oji? The other big story this week, David, is the it's George's George's crisps. <laughs> oh yes, the crisps. Look, I've, I've got a oh, serious dear. tip now. This this unfortunately is only going to be applicable to people in the UK. I think. Uh, so I apologise to everyone worldwide because what you're going to hear is shocking and revelationary. The best crisps. <laughs> Life-changing, George. As they're, as they're called in North America, chips. Potato chips. Crisps, as we call yeah, them in Britain. Uh, I just love salted crisps. And I don't eat a lot, but I just like a little bit crunchy something with a sandwich at lunchtime. You know, just a wee snacky thing. I don't buy big bags of crisps when I eat them, but I'm, I'm a bit of a connoisseur. Unlike Colin, I wouldn't cook a crisp for an hour and a half, for instance. It would just be crisp normally for a few minutes. It, anyway, George. I don't make my own crisps. 
Uh, but I happened to discover that Co-op Irresistible Range slightly salted crisps are the most delicious, crispy and perfectly thick crisps. Everything else pales into insignificance to the point I can't eat any other crisp anymore. Golden Wonder, Walkers, uh, Marks and Spencers, all out the window. Sorry, all these name checks. What, Don't care. Um, Here's a question about crisps, though, George. Yeah. It, what, what? What, whatever happened to Smith's crisps? Oh, they were good. Oh. Smith's, they were well, they went the same way as Golden. Do you remember the wee bag of salt they had yeah. in them? You, the yes, that's, that's what I was thinking salt about. Salt shake, yeah. a wee round bag. Oh. It was lovely, twisted by mm-hmm. hand. Who, you who? You do realise, George, talking about all these fantastic crisps, there's a whole tranche of people in the UK who've been without crisps for some time, are in isolation for another week, maybe even a month. There is no co-op near them, and they cannot wow. get the co-op to deliver. Allowed, and now all they want is those you're crisps. Allowed to, you're so allowed to go saying, out and shop and maintain your social distance. <laughs> Put a mask on if you and need bring, to. Drive 30 bring, miles to the nearest co-op. Co-op very often. Bring home the chips. One pound seven. Oh. Pack, but, they, but they very often, they very often do two packets for two pounds. It's a bargain. Wow. They are I, gorgeous. I, I think we should we should open this up a little bit, and we should go for least what's your crisp of choice? I'd like a. Oh, I'd you like a Walker's. How can you? You can't. You can't choose. It's pointless. It's pointless exercise. I like a Walker's <laughs> roast chicken, or Ooh. or generally. If I'm out and about, it's going to be a cheese and onion because generally a cheese and onion packet of crisps is the best choice. They're good. Everyone does them well. And the ones in the yellow bags, the pubs, they have old-fashioned people on the front of them. They're oh, more expensive. Yeah, they're very oh, expensive. The kettle, kettle chips or something they call them. Yeah. Those ones? They're kind of yeah. old-fashioned pictures. They're very cheesy oniony. Very nice. Tried them all. Yeah. They're all they're all okay, but I'm afraid that Co-op Irresistible is possibly two or three Co-op. times what better. What about you, Beckham? That's how good they are. They, um, I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of go off piste a little bit here, and I'm actually not going with a crisp. I'm going with Bombay Mix, which oh. I discovered, rediscovered, yes. uh, uh, about a month ago. It is David, that's typical of you. That's, you're asked a question Sorry, about crisps, <laughs> and you answer it with Bombay Mix. Colin, that's a that, fair. That's, like, that's a fair comment. No, Let them off. It's the not a fair. I, it's I, not, I it's, want it's, Bombay Mix. George, no, stand by, George. Stand by. I'm. I'm but they, no, no, stand by. Stand by. This, this is my point. Here is not. There's anything wrong with but it's you, like David when he wrote that terribly disparaging article about me not liking sim racing. <laughs> Point is, that, you know, it was, it was. I have nothing against sim racing, but when we're talking about motorsport, don't talk to me about sim racing. When we're talking about crisps, don't talk to me about Bombay mix. When we're talking about top tens of anything, don't give me eleven. You know, it's just not acceptable, that David. Was, and you, that was a better becoming, value top ten. It's becoming, David, a little bit of a habit. Bad one. A little bit of a habit, my friend. Is this a tirade, Colin? Was that a tirade? I just want to kind of measure them. I'm just counting He's just bought himself thinking time to decide what's his oh, favourite no. crispy uh, snack. Mine, mine, there's no, no <laughs> question about mine. Mine is Worcester sauce. And if I can't get Worcester oh. sauce flavour, oh, always okay. smoky bacon. Worcester sauce first and then smoky bacon. Every time. No, there's no, there's no uh. debate about that. And that is not Worcester sauce flavoured Bombay mix. Worcester sauce flavoured <laughs> crisps. How many Who? how many people outside the UK have any idea what we're talking about now? Everyone. Yeah. Worcester sauce crisps. Well, no, that I mean anything George. that's not ready salted is a profanity and shouldn't be allowed. We 
We should continue this discussion next week and we should bring in the WRC's resident, or two actually, resident potato experts. One being uh, 2003, 2001, forgive my ignorance, World Rally Champion co-driver Robert Reed. Uh, And the other one is that there's a potato farm that you should do. (laughs) Why is Robert Reed a potato expert? I'm sure there's more than one. Not just national, not just national rallying. What about the potato merchant? as well. Yes. Yeah, the potato yeah, merchant, yeah, yeah. the no, biggest he... seller of potatoes in Blooming Scotland. He wasn't the one I was thinking of. Wasn't and actually, he? I wasn't thinking of potatoes, I was thinking of mushrooms. Sorry, who did you say, Colin? We were all talking on top of each other. Sorry, I, I'm talking about Richard Moore, Richard. Who, is, who is a fantastic yeah. man. He's a wonderful, okay. wonderful supporter of Scottish rallying. Done quite a number of events in the World Championships himself. Uh, he also, who did he give as a co-driver his first ever World Rally Championship outing to? David Evans? Chris. Stuart Loudon. No. No, Chris. <laughs> Crisps. No. Uh, you know this. You know this because I'm sure you wrote about it. I've seen an article somewhere about it. Is no? it potato related? No, no, uh, but, it's, he, but he gave he gave this really quite well established and dare I say famous co-driver, also uh, known to me by the initials LSP. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not going to go into. It's very Scottish. <laughs> oh come on, Sebzy, Give Seb the... Marshall. Oh really? Well, I think <laughs> sorry, so. Sorry. Now, now I'm beginning to doubt whether I got that <laughs> right. But, Why I'm, is I'm, I'm, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, okay. anyway, I'll I'll come to that. I'll come to that because it's just dawned on me who was the other potato expert, uh, and he wasn't. He actually grew mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's another, it's another Bombay mix moment. It's another Bombay mix moment from David Evans. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. That's oh dear. Isn't it? Lisa, Lisa, back on the tiller, please. Oh get no, no, no. no. As you get older. No, no, no. I'm fascinated. Who is, who is the mushroom merchant? I'll cover the mushrooms. And mushroom. we'll read and then we'll move on. Okay, mushrooms. It was David Mann, wasn't it? George. Yes, that's correct. David, David Mann, Mann was a mushroom mushroom farmer. mushroom farmer. Yeah, brilliant driver. Really and, good driver. And the, Reed, in the, the extended Reed family own half of, half of Strathmore Valley, which is the, the valley to the east, the northeast of uh, Perth. Hey, but there's another yeah. one. Can I give you another? Can I give you another tatty oh tatty farming rally <laughs> driver? You, there were so many potato kings. Can I give you another one? Yes. Um, St Johnson Football Club. What's their ground called? Anyone know? Fir Park. St Johnson. Know. Do you know where they play, George? Uh, yes, um, I know where they play, yeah. It's McDermott Park. McDermott Park. Now, McDermott Park used uh, to be a tatty field. I should know. And that. it was owned by the McDermott family, who have got fairly extensive tatty fields all around that area. And the young McDermott lad was at the uh, the college that you were supposed to come to that day, David, and build out of us. What was it called? Mar- not Marcroft. Harper Adams. Harper Adams Harper College. Adams. Uh, and he yep. drove their car, which was... Um, a project that M Sport put together, which was a fantastic project in the British Rally Championship. Uh, they basically gave them the parts. These kids at the college put the car together. They ran the car in the British Rally Championship, and young McDermott drove the car. So another potato-related rally story. Now there is a brilliant livery idea, isn't mm. it? Dress your car up to look like a potato, be the flying spud. <laughs> you are listening to Spin the Rally Pod, which I think should maybe be <laughs> Spin the Rally Spud. <laughs> we were planning and we still have time to share some funny stories from the world of rallying and days gone past and we'll be back with another one later this week where we'll be chatting about Sebastian Ogier when we're in our season of our series of talking about drivers but 
Beckham, at the end of the last episode, you left us on a bit mm. of a cliffhanger saying, oh, I've got a brilliant Lancia story to tell you. It, yeah, absolutely. I had the absolute privilege uh, of talking to Mr. Nini Russo, uh, the team manager from, from Lancia. I, I wrote a, a, a feature for Motorsport magazine uh, all about Lancia, uh, and this involved talking to some of my absolute heroes. Um, and I have to say, any time that you talk to Nini Russo is just fabulous time. Uh, he he's just one of the the absolute legends of our sport, and he's lived these kind of incredible Lancia times. Um, and so we were chatting away, and and just we went on for ages. And a couple of things I had to ask him. The first thing, because of obviously where we are in the world right now with coronavirus and, and what have you, I, I said to him because it was just after Mexico when. A few of us had struggled to get back from Mexico um, or worried about getting back from Mexico. Uh, and so I said to Nini, you know, is there anything that can you remember anything that, you know, there was ever anything like this? And he said, no, 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 there was never anything quite like that. He said, I do remember one issue in New Zealand uh, where there was I think the Dockers must have been on strike uh, in New Zealand. Uh, and he said, so the tanker or not a tanker, the cargo ship was was out at sea and we couldn't get the bits for the event. And he said, you know, for a long time, it looked as though we wouldn't actually get the event off the ground. So he said, you know, us being Lancia, we, we chartered a load of boats. Uh, and essentially, they took the boats from uh, the port and sailed the boats out to the cargo ship and bought gearboxes oh and just about every part that they had on the cargo ship. They ferried them all back uh, in what was an incredibly lengthy process. Uh, but in doing that, they actually got the, the, the event up and running. That was the first story. Uh, and I have a whole heap. And we will, we will, I'm not going to use them all today. You're going to eke them um, out? Eke them out, exactly. But here's the best one. So, so I vaguely sec, remember. Who's just left the room and come back? Was that you, George? That's Colin. Colin. Yeah, I'm still sitting here. <laughs> Unless, shh, 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 shh. I've not moved. Are you right there, Colin? Yes, I'm back. <laughs> yes, I'm back. Sorry, I'm back. Sorry. Water, I think there. Sorry, is the, is the, is the, is the Python siphon? <laughs> thank you, David. Yes, it is. It is, David. Yes, thank you. No, it, it, it's part of my new oh. regime. I'm drinking lots of these kind of fresh, freshly squeezed smoothie, orange juicy, you know what and it was? juice things. It's just David started his story, and you clearly thought, oh, don't want to I've had enough this. of this. I might as well just. <laughs> Yeah. So rude. So I, rude, rude, rude. I did send you a note. I did, oh, I, I did send you a note. I'm really sorry. I sent you a note oh, okay. to say I was going. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. So, so Hello. well, you've missed that one. And in fairness, sorry. that was the that was the weaker of the two stories. The the better of the two stories was uh, halfway through the chat. I, I something came to me that I do remember Nini having um, a few incidents in the air. So I said to Nini, I said, "Is it not right that you had five helicopter crashes?" And he said, no, 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 in, a, in an Italian accent, obviously. No, 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 not five helicopter accents. I was like, oh, right. He said, it was three helicopter ac accidents and one plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> and in fairness, and, and, and in his own words, the plane didn't actually go down. They were in, I think they were in Kenya um, and flying along uh, and at 8,000 feet, and the two engines just stopped. Uh, and so they started to go down. And Nini said they got to about two and a half thousand 
feet and they managed to restart the engines uh and just land the plane um How but scary would that be yeah but just also just the unlucky or lucky well that's the point isn't it that is the point that, but it does it also brings <clears> another we should really move along given that we all fly quite a lot we should move along from plane crashes i've but, got a good i've got a good plane crash no 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 no, no. Shh, shh, shh. so we all right. remember brilliant brilliant belgian journalist called michelle lisan yes um who was on what was known as the glider uh which was a 747 a ba 747 coming back from somewhere I going, can't, George going, will remember. Going, Do you remember? going from uh singapore to auckland was it yes and, or and, it was and maybe, maybe going I, to sydney and then to auckland i can't remember yeah but flew through a whole load of volcanic ash yeah. Ooh. filled the engines Ooh, that's not filled, good. filled the engines believe? no no it's just cold it's just cold so so fill the engines and the engine stopped dead just silence engine stopped so do you know what the pilot did this is brilliant absolutely <laughs> incredible peace of mind presence of mind shut up you're not going to steal my punchline he put the plane into a massive dive which a proper kind of near vertical dive i've got no idea if it was near vertical or not but it, it adds to the story and it forced all of the ash through the engine and then he was able to restart them and land the plane but here's the best bit as george said he was at night so he was coming in to land and uh, the pilot said, was saying to the to the airport, put the lights on. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, yeah, the lights are on. And he said, no, no, put the lights on. And he couldn't see a thing, but he didn't realise that the, the screen oh had been absolutely pockmarked and essentially shattered by all of the, the volcanic dust and ash. And George, know, if I've got... Oh, I've got to tell you why I'm so excited, because I watched, I watched this on the telly yesterday. Just yesterday. Seriously? Yes, the pilot. Wow. It was, the, it was, it was, there was a volcano, and I think it was Krakatoa, in Indonesia that they were flying over. So George, you'd have been right, Singapore wow. down to Auckland. Yeah, and, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Krakatoa, but it was, a, but, it was an island down was, there. Yeah, yeah, one of those. In but the, the most incredible thing about that pilot, and he was interviewed in this programme yesterday, I'm sorry for, for interrupting your story, <laughs> David, but I got so excited when you, when you think of the coincidence. Um, <laughs> the, the most incredible thing about that pilot was your, the engine stopped progressively. You know, left one, right one, left two, right two. <laughs> right. you know, there, there's, there's, as you would expect in a British Airways cockpit, there is complete calm, you know, as they work through yeah. how to get the engines restarted. They know they've got so much time to restart them, but they've only got so many goes. And he said, we better say something to the um, <laughs> passengers. So he went on the intercom and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you might have noticed we've got a small problem here. Uh, all four <laughs> engines have stopped, but we're doing our best to start them again. And that was it. That was it. That I know we don't do accents, but you should definitely do a pilot voice of that one. Oh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your pilot speaking. <laughs> well, I can't, I, can't, well, I, I can't better Nini's four accidents, but I have got, I've just counted them here, I've got six very near accidents all in aircraft for rallies uh, three two helicopters oh. and and uh, four airplanes all actually oh. will turn your poo white in some of the cases oh. yeah they're scary ones were they, they're scary were they were the were the plane ones all in africa george uh no two in africa and two in argentina, oh. in argentina. you can't just leave us you've got to pick one do you, you want it now? Are we not out of time? Are we okay for time here? Are you still? Are we still we running? Always we? have time when it's a good story. Okay. Uh, which one? Which one to tell? I mean, they're all pretty. The good. best one. <laughs> the best one. 
Okay. There's not going to be okay. a bad plane crash story, is there? Um, <laughs> or that you survive. Uh, it's no, not going to be boring, no, is it? I suppose it depends on how you look at them, really. I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you one of them. So, Ar Argentina, um, we are circling over the start of the Julio Cesare stage. So they've just the curve. What's the name of that town down there? At the start of Julio Cesare, at the bottom there? Alta Gracia. Mina Clavera. Mina Clavera. So we're circling over Mina Clavera. We're doing racetrack patterns. There's a a one and a half hour regroup in Mina Clavera because the cars they come over the old Los Gigantes and then they go back up over up over um, um, the the other pass that we still use. Um, <clears throat> so we're we're circling over there and 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 I've got all the teams. So it was radio. I was doing the radio aircraft. We're at twenty two thousand feet, and we're doing this ten mile an hour circuit racetrack pattern. It's called. So we're on 10 miles down and the guys turn the airplane back the other way 10 miles. Sorry, can and, I just interrupt thought, to say, this is in the yep. days when you need an airplane to relay the radio Do signals the from the drivers before, back to the service Before park? mobile phones in Argentina, they didn't have any at all. So this would have been in about 2000, sorry, about 1993 or 94, I think. Um, so anyway, I'd said to the pilots, I said, guys, I'm going to, I'd been up since four or five in the morning. Um, got to the airport up in the up in the plane and we, we, we could stay up for about 11 hours on that aircraft so we'd, we'd actually come down uh, we'd gone up about five o'clock in the morning landed about 12 gone back up this was about two or three in the afternoon and the guys were just doing maybe three stages back into uh, Carlos Pass for the main service and then the cars went back to Cordoba into the into the Park Fermi in those days so it was near enough you know three quarters of the day done I'd said to the pilots, guys, I'm just going to settle down for 20 minutes, but I'll, I'll keep my headphones on um, if there's any radio traffic and I'll catch that. So <clears throat> I settled down and lo and behold, I fell asleep. Um, and But the pilots, before I'd done that, the pilot said, do you mind if we do a 20 minute, 20 mile racetrack pattern north and south up and down the valley above Mina Clavera? And I just needed to get radio contact across the, the, the top of the, the hill. And you would relay any messages from the rally cars to the engineers because they wouldn't hear over the top of the hill. You know what it was like up there. Even mobile phones are difficult enough up there still. So anyhow, I'd, I'd let them do that. And I, and I fell asleep promptly, and knowing that I'll get a call on the radio uh, from Carlos. Uh, it, it, would have been, no, it would have been no, uh, it would have been Yuha and Diddy at that time. Carlos wasn't with us at that point. And uh, I'll get a call from them. They'll, they'll call saying that they've started the engine okay in part for me and I'll relay the message. And, and I, I, I woke up with this in the microphone thinking, oh yeah, so didn't figure out what happened, but I just pick up the microphone and automatically sort of sat up on my seat, picked up the microphone and we were called Tango Air. That was us, or Tango Base. Tango Base, I think I was. So Tango Base, station calling, uh, message broken, please say again. And I got this again. What the heck's going on? Tried again. Still no response. Uh, any station for uh, Tango Base uh, radio check? And I got a couple of <coughs> nothing else. What the heck? Looked out the window, and there I'm looking. I'm looking out the right-hand window of the aircraft, and I'm looking at a lake. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's the lake down to the south at the bottom of the valley. There's a nuclear power station at the end of it. And I'm looking, thinking, actually, that doesn't quite look like the right place. And I figured, oh, that's not the right place. And then I looked at my GPS, and my GPS says I'm heading south. Now, I should only see that lake when we're on a right-hand turn 
out the right hand window I should only see that to the south hang on something's gone wrong here um, in fact we weren't turning either that was the point we were going straight and then I, I looked at the GPS again and we're on a heading of uh, 270 degrees I'm thinking that's a bit odd because we were going north south we shouldn't be going straight so I shouted forward to the, the well I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what happened and then I look at the, the range. So I've got this, it was an early GPS. The GPSs had just come out. It was a Garmin 55, a tiny wee thing. And it said I was 140 nautical miles from Mina Clavera. I should be within 20 miles of the place. And I'm due west, miles away from where I should be. So I shout forward to the pilots, Pedro and Carlos. Remember their names? Met one of them not many years ago. Surprisingly still alive after this story. <laughs> So I shouted forward, Carlos, Pedro, where, where are we going? What's the problem? No answer. Now, if you imagine I'm down the back of this, it, it was a Piper Cheyenne Turbo 2. It's a turbine engine, jet turbine engines with propellers. Uh, and we're going along at this very reasonable cruise speed, getting this incredible range out of this aircraft to, to be able to get the duration out of it to, to maintain our, our radio position. And uh, no answer. And no answer, but I've, I'm surrounded by service books. I've got a desk out with a radio. It's a bit of a fanny to get in and out of the of the seat. But I got out the seat and went forward. And I shouted on them three times, no response. Went forward, pulled the curtain aside. It's just on those little aircraft. It was an eight-seater, as I recall. Eight seats in the back and the two pilots. Pulled the curtain. Here's the two of them, sound asleep on pillows <laughs> either side. Now, yes, you would laugh. Do you ever remember seeing the second Indiana, Indiana Jones movie when he comes forward at the cockpit and he looks and there's no pilots and yeah. in front of them there's a mountain range? Well, you look, you look at the map and you look at you look at Mina Clavera and you, you look at the where Andes. the Andes start. Colin, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was we were at twenty two thousand feet and these hills were above us and they were about five miles away. Oh, jeez! Five miles away. Jeez! And I had to wake the pair of them up. They were, they were slight. What did you say to wake them up, George? <laughs> not morning. Not even, even with my, even with my bucket mouth, I can't repeat what I said. <laughs> it was, it was it, honestly, I, I, uh, I never, uh, to be honest, it, it, it didn't seem like such a drama at the time. I was more, of course, I was much more annoyed about out of position for the radio. Um, anyway, you know, it, it didn't take long to get back in because they, they, they nailed they the aircraft. Decided- they were going to have a little nap. That's or what they was were doing. They were just see. See, we were only we were only cruising. We were that, that aircraft would normally cruise about 250, 260 knots, and we were down to one hundred and eighty knots. They'd been asleep an hour. Oh my god! But the, ra- wow. the rally cars were down in Carlos Pass by the time we came back. By the time I managed to read us, <laughs> they, they they'd basically sent out the search parties for us. They thought we'd crashed. They thought oh, we they'd phoned it. People had phoned air traffic to find out where. We're gone. Part, beg your pardon. We're, pardon we're, my friends. We're the watch. We're, 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 where are we we're gone? Uh, the, the people had called to the air traffic, really, to find out where we'd gone. It was a shocker. And, but, but we managed to nail it. Basically, we were at 22,000 feet, and we, you know, we, we traded five or 6,000 feet very quickly, and we ended up at, I don't know, 270, 280 knots. The thing would be on the red line, air, max airspeed, and um, uh, we, oh. we, we got back into position oh. relatively quickly. But the job was the job was more or less done. But it never bothered me that much. But after I got home, um, a few weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night with my very alarmed wife standing beside the bed, and me standing on the bed, 
hammering on the wall. And I broke, but I'd broken through the plasterboard wall. I shattered the plasterboard wall. And the, wow. the, I mean, I, 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 the, the dream was I was in a little airplane. The pilots had fallen asleep, but it wasn't a curtain. It was a door and I couldn't open the door. Oh. I only had that dream once. God. I only had that. But I, I remember thinking, I hope, I, and I'd never told my wife the story up until that point, And I shared it with her at that point. At which point? In fairness, your actions on the bed would need some explaining. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, you're you're absolutely right, and and my actions on the bed did require some explaining that night. Um, uh, (laughs) Um, That was. Can I tell a very very brief? Can I tell a very brief airline story? That was the least Uh, scary of. That was the least scary of my airplane stories. The least. Oh, least brilliant. oh man, I can't wait for the next one. Seek out the next four. While there's no air traffic around the world, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about them and then when planes are flying again. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is really brief because I can only remember half of the story. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but, but it, involves, it involves a good friend of ours and a, a semi-regular WRC driver uh, on a flight out of, I believe it was somewhere in the Atlantic, so it was either the Azores or Madeira. Um, and things went so badly on this flight he'd actually written on his telephone a goodbye message to his mother hadn't sent it hadn't sent it because he thought if she gets that and we get out of this it's going to kill her anyway she'll die of a heart attack so so he hadn't sent it but he'd written the note ready to press send uh and they eventually got this plane down on some tiny little island in the middle of the atlantic and he was (laughs) the other story was he then had a real problem because his team didn't know that he was in in the middle of the Atlantic, he was due at Reiki on the Monday morning. It's now Sunday morning. He is marooned on this island <laughs> in the middle of the Atlantic. And he, I, th- I think at the end of the day, he had to charter a boat to take him from the island to get back to one of the bigger islands to get on another plane to get him back to mainland Europe. And he actually turned up, I think, just about on time, having travelled through the night on the Monday to get to the Reiki. Uh, and, and the team, I think, eventually were informed why he was slightly dishevelled and, and running a little bit. Who late. was that again, Colin? Why, I'm why not are we not saying that was? was... Oh. oh, we're not saying oh. that, that was. <laughs> <laughs> might have been, might have been, but I only know half the story, so I was keeping it because it was so vague. So, I was so, keeping it reasonably. You can, <laughs> you can beat that bit out, can't you, Lise? I can. Yes. We'll keep people guessing. Yeah. I think that's anyway, that, that's my that's my well, I have, that's my best airline story. I have no I have no such happy, uh, exciting so airborne very, story. Very happy, yeah. I have a very oh. bad memory. So somebody had to remind me that I nearly died as a child when I was um on a cross channel ferry. So yeah, my ferry story. On the cross-channel ferries, they used to have escalators that would take pa- people from the passenger decks down to the car decks get people off the car decks and down quite quickly. So we were getting off the ferry and we were, I was about five, six years old, holding my mum's hand on the escalator heading down to the car deck and they hadn't opened the doors at the other end. So the escalators were going, people were just piling up quite spectacularly in front of these doors. And my sister has a very clear memory of this uh, and I don't remember until she actually told me. This American guy was at the bottom, realised what was happening and was climbing back over everybody who was still going down because he realised that the emergency stop button was at the top of the stairs oh, and he was man. shouting and nobody was doing anything. Oh. But uh, he came up and we're all getting crushed down the bottom. And then I, she reminded me of it and I went, oh, God, yeah, that's why I really hate mm. crowds. Oh, 
Scary. But uh, fortunately, they don't have escalators like that on ferries anymore. So uh, that's a really good thing. It's a really, really bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. We should, we've all for forgotten, though, not long ago, there was a flight out of Leon in Mexico. The early Oof. morning, the Monday morning flight. Yeah. And Mads Osberg and Jerry Williams. Jerry Williams, one of the worst flyers in the entire history of the championship. But they were all on that plane. I'd done the Sunday night flight, but did it not... Uh, the the filler cap was left off the petrol tank fuel or something leak. and it was the, the, exactly that there was a fuel leak out of one of the wings out the fuel tanks and Mads Osberg tweeted this incredible picture he must have I don't know how he did while they were circling uh, of this this line of fuel the streak of fuel just pouring God. out of the right wing of the aircraft and yeah you know it was on its way to America and they they had to turn not around ideal. and dump some fuel and land it was yeah a bit scary God. yeah. Um, no, that's not great. What I think we'll come back for that one. <laughs> Interesting it's killing content, an hour with some friends, basically. That's <laughs> what this one's all about. And I think we'll wrap it up then. Yeah. Spin the Rally Pod, available at dirtfish.com and all great podcast providers. If you can get in touch at Dirtfish Rally via Twitter, give us some ideas to talk about and we'll uh, keep you entertained as we entertain ourselves. And next time on the next episode, we're going to be talking about the very great world champion, Sebastian Augier. See you, lads. See you, See you lads. Lads.